Coming to you from the not-for-profit Mainframe Studios at 900 Kioway in downtown Des Moines, this is 900 Views, a podcast about building community through the arts as we build an arts community. I'm your host, Pat Bodie, and today's guest is multimedia artist and entrepreneur Antonio Roddy of Studio 317 at Mainframe. His design by the streets artistry and brand were inspired by how he grew up on the south side of Chicago facing challenges including a father who spent 10 years in prison for selling cocaine, and Antonio following in those footsteps in his younger years. Now Tone, as he's called, has a successful clothing line. His work is often exhibited, and on June 21st, as part of Art Week, he'll open an installation and mural at the Des Moines Partnership. Tone now works to turn struggles into strengths, those are his words, and he wants to help build the community he wishes he'd had when he was growing up. So Tone, a natural place to start here is, what's that community you wished you had had? Uh, so when I was a kid, I had this thing, like I grew up in, I was born in 83, smack into the beginning of hip hop. And all I saw was like, yo, MTV raps and MTV. And the way that it looked, it looked like it was like Sesame Street. Like all these dudes live on the same neighborhood and they see each other and they know each other. And when I went outside, that's what I was looking for. Like, yo, where's the MC at? Where's the graffiti artist? Where's these people? But Chicago's kind of different. Yeah. <laughs> a lot different culture. And... You know, it, I just thought it was a place called hip hop that I could go to you know, and find all of this creativity going on every day. But it kind of is, but it's just not so direct, you know, and that's what I wanted to build was just like have more access to it. Well, well, tell me a little bit about how you are building that here in Des Moines. And then uh, kind of the additional question that goes with that is how'd you get here to Des Moines? Why Des Moines? Uh, so so it's a two-pronged question. Okay. okay, so I got here because my brother was going to Iowa State. And when I was in Chicago, you know, I was in the street stuff, but I, I, I wanted to start a business. I never was, like, thinking I was going to be in the street forever. It was like, what do we do? And this is what everybody do in my neighborhood type yeah. of thing. This is what I, my family members do and stuff. So um I came to Ames the first night with my brother. He took me out to Campus Town to a party. And I was coming around up the street, and there was like a glow over the street, over, um, over Welch. Yeah. And it was like 3,000 people outside just standing around, right? So I'm like, oh, yeah, party, right? But when I walk into it all, it's like eight empty commercial spaces. Oh. And I was looking at that stuff before I came here in Chicago, and I was getting like 3400 3500 a month for 1200 square feet. And I saw the numbers. I took my photo, and I called the numbers in the morning. They were telling me the rent was going to be like $700, $800. I'm like, okay, yeah. I think I could manage that because I know my numbers from running. I used to have run managed like a lot of McDonald's. Yeah. All the McDonald's in Aurora, Illinois. <laughs> so it was like I was like an area supervisor, kind of like in training or whatever. So I understood numbers and stuff. So 
once she said that, I had to figure out what I was going to do to pay the rent. <laughs> and my first natural thing was um, to do food because I knew how to manage McDonald's. Oh, so, okay. But I, I also knew I don't know. I'm not a chef at all. I don't like to cook. <laughs> <laughs> I like to eat, but I don't like to cook. But, well, first um, qualification right. is to know how to eat, right? right. <laughs> okay. But I do know a lot about branding and franchising and stuff because of my my training from McDonald's. They sent me to Hamburger University, and I learned how to do oh all this gosh. stuff. Oh my gosh! Okay, yeah, systems management stuff. So um, I decided I was going to go with Vienna Beef because I could afford the cart, the stands. So it's like a hot dog stand hot kind dog of thing. Hot dog stand, yeah. Chicago dog, the famous Chicago dog, like the yeah. one, right? With all the, no skimping on the ingredients, all the real stuff, right? So um, I got the franchise with Viana Beef. I opened up my hot dog stands, and I was doing that thing because I just wasn't confident that I was going to sell my art or sell, like, products or stuff like that. So, so you were already, you'd already kind of shifted into the art world, at least uh, emotionally and mentally, but the entrepreneur in you took over yeah. and was going, hot dogs are my path. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but while I was in Chicago, you know, I, I, like I said, I was looking for this place called Hip Hop, and I found my, my mentor, No Try Do, Sincere, it's a rapper from Chicago, but he had a clothing store, and he... Uh, he would come up with products and stuff and just, like, he had these flash draft robots. He sold 20,000 of them. Wow. It was the coolest thing. It was like a flash draft when they first came out. Uh-huh. And it looked like, like R2-D2 kind of, but not like hip-hop version or something. Yeah. And I used to just be his plugger kid, you know, whatever he needed me to do. He, but he would take me and sit me in these uh, meetings with clothing brands and all of this stuff, and I just learned, I saw it, just got to look at it, you know, and once I started to move here, when I got here and I started to do my hot dog stand and I was doing hip-hop shows just like his shows, I didn't realize I was doing everything he was doing at the time. It was just like, that's what I know how to do, and I always had ideas to add to what he was doing, but I was just a So you had kid. a mentor? Yeah, so I kind of had a mentor, you know, a little bit from a distance now yeah, once you get here. Yeah. Um, but if Facebook came when I got here, so I got to keep him close and everything, you know, so that was cool. I even brought him here. He used to do, um, he was the only rapper with a drum line at the, and he used to rap to the drum line. And I, I used to, I had him come here to Ames and perform. I had him come to Viveville Muse and perform. Uh, he'd been here probably three, four times and performing in Iowa, but. That was that was the thing that like the seed that was in my head was all he always set a good example for being like this hip hop guru kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what gave you the courage to kind of shift from hot dogs to the full time art and design piece? But uh, because I would have my hot dog stand and I would do I had nights where I make like two three thousand dollars a night. You know, it was just like drug money and stuff. So. I called my friend, my best friend, and I'm telling him, um, hey, T, you got to come out to Iowa, man. I got this hot dog stand. I bought all of the rest of the, like the city down in Ames. They only allow certain many spots to be op oh. operated on. Yeah. But they was only 50 bucks. So I bought them all. And uh, I had all of the rest of the spots. It was me, Super Dog, the Euro stand, and then I had every other spot myself. 
So I'm like, you come down. I got. I bought another cart. I had two. I was getting my second one. You take this one. I operate this one. We taking over the city. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but he he was like, okay, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. I was supposed to go to Wisconsin and see my family. I'm gonna go up there and then I'm gonna come down to you. When he went to Wisconsin. As soon as he got there, he the feds raided, and he went to jail with a kilo of cocaine. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know about that part, right? Yeah. You know, I was all excited about hot dogs. I, was, I didn't realize, you know, a drug dealer's not really going to give up selling drugs to come sell hot dogs. You yeah. Know? But I just, I, at the time, I was feeling the relief of having the street off my back, and that's what I felt so good about, like, you should quit <laughs> and sell hot dogs because, dude, it's this coated, this hardcore thing just shattered off of me, and I feel so good. I'm bouncy now, you yeah. know? And that was the value that I was seeing make up the money that he was going to miss from the drug. But he don't know nothing about this. This is just his boy called with a crazy idea, and he's going to back me up no matter what, right? Yeah, yeah. But he ended up going to jail. So while he was in jail, I was just thinking, like, what the heck? Why wasn't, why wasn't this good enough? Why didn't he come and do this thing with me? And that's what it dawned on me, you know, it, he's not going to switch from selling cocaine to selling hot dogs. But you, you did. I did it because I had confidence that I knew other stuff. Stuff. So, so this is kind of where some of the community building comes in, yeah. doesn't it? So when I got here and I got stuff really going... I remember that moment where I was like at the fork in the road going, what do I do? All I need is somebody to give me some kind of hope that I'm plugged into something. You know, I looked for a lot of different things. I didn't know about the college experience at all. So being in Ames taught me, too, that, you know, all of this stuff is I can access it. I can go and rent. I had a friend that um, she kind of flunked out of school or whatever and but she didn't flunk out she got a DUI and they kicked her out of school and she was like I'm already in debt $60,000 I got the ID you take this sucker and you can go and use the design labs you can rent all the cameras you need you can do graphics on all the computers I'll take you to all the labs and show you how to get everything in the design building so I just took that as a sign from God. Like, I I go here. (laughs) I go here now. (laughs) So I would get up in the morning. I go to to classes and sit in the... I figured out I could go to lecture halls and just learn whatever the subject was that I needed to learn because I felt like college kids knew something I didn't know, you know. Do you still think that's the case? I found out that my experience is everything that they needed. Gotcha. So it's an exchange. It was a, no, you don't even need that education to me. It was yeah. more so you just got to have the heart to get out there and, and, and start, you know, and listen to your customers. That's why I, in all of this, when my friend went to jail with the kilo of cocaine, I had decided to switch to clothes. So I'm trying to figure out how do I make them understand? Cause I know they know clothes, they love fashion and all of that stuff. They understand it, but why do they think they can sell clothes, right? And I'm trying to figure that out. And I'm shipping off, a, a, like, one of my first orders, a large T-shirt. And I put it on a scale, and I had the scale on kilos instead of 
um, pounds. Or, uh, pounds or ounces or whatever, yeah. right? And it weighed like 1.2 kilos. And I was like, in the streets, everybody know that point two is just the bag, the wrapper <laughs> around the dress. <track. laughs> so I decided to package my T-shirts like kilos of cocaine so that I could show my friend, you already know what to do with this. So when he came home, it was, I had a shop full of kilos of cocaine, but it's all t-shirts on the inside and let's hit these streets, buddy. We designed by the streets, not defined by the streets, you know? Designed by the streets, not defined by the streets. That's the shift you made. That's the shift. And so this is, you know, here I am, let's face facts, pretty mature, shall we say, white suburban woman. Mm -hmm. And when I saw these t-shirts wrapped up like kilos of cocaine. Uh, I'm sitting there going, I know this guy knows a ton about community building. He's doing some amazing work. And yet I have a little bit of this disconnect when I, when I see those shirts. But what you're saying is, this is what's relatable for some This is what's relatable from, from the people that I know need this help the most. This is the language to speak to them. So if you don't understand it, I'm perfectly fine with it. Yeah, who cares about me? I'm going to save some lives with (laughs) these kilos right here. So if you don't get it, you'll get it when you see the result. Because what's going to happen in the community that I'm building is all going to happen without you. You know, you. Right. So, you know, but if you get it, you it's perfectly fine. But I found out I had women, even white women. I had a lady, some ladies come in here look like the Golden Girls. <laughs> and I was standing, it was my first first Friday, and I was standing in the corner like nervous because I'm like, all of these old white ladies are yeah. going to see my stuff and they're going to say I'm trying to be a drug dealer or what the heck. And I saw the two ladies walk in and I got a skit that looked like a pallet of cocaine bricks. Yeah. And it's some books in there, like entrepreneurial books in it. And they stopped and they're looking at the piece and then one lady punched the other lady. And I was like, whoa, what's up with that? Later on, a few minutes later, one of the ladies worked her way around to me, and she asked me what was going on. And I told her, you know, that story I just told you. Yeah. And then I told her these are kilos of cocaine, and she was like, oh, I love it. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, <laughs> okay. And then she, she like leaned over to me and was like, I went to jail. And it's like, <laughs> this is like a white-haired 80-year-old-looking woman or something like that. And I was like, this is going to be okay. Everybody got a struggle that they got to overcome. And a lot of this stuff, when you're in the street, it comes with this in a lot of different ways. Even if you was an addict, you still got to deal with the fact that this out of here. You know, they, you don't get to escape that drugs exist. You just have to learn how to overpower your urge to want them or whatever. So, you know, and... You know, being in the street, the hustlers, they just need a new hustle. That, that's really it, you know. And it's a big drug dealer named Big Meech in Atlanta. You know, BMF, it's a series called BMF 50 Cent. Just He did it on um, Stars. Oh, okay. But the real one, when he went to jail, and I was, this was like my idol when I was in 18, 19. When right? you were wanting in to the be street. in the hip-hop world, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he said... On a, on a documentary that he had that said, the crew going to be as good as the leader. If you got a robbing leader, then the crew going to be full of robbers. If you got a hustling leader, then you're going to have a real hustling crew. It's just about what you're going to provide for them. 
And by me being in a position where I used to be that guy for my neighborhood, I'm going, I just need a new, same rules, same hustle with a new product. So you're a hustling leader? I am a, yes, I'm a hustling leader, but I'm a thinker. Thinker leader too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, well, I'm the... I'm the ideas guy. I'm going to think it through. What's, how's this going to affect us You're even going to do the math to go with it, too. It sounds oh, yeah. Like to me. Oh, yeah. So, so you're a thinker leader, hustler leader. You're not design, you design by the streets, not defined by the streets. You're making these pieces really relatable to folks who need that. Who relatable. need that, right. Yeah. So how's it going? I mean, how big is this community coming to be and are you starting to have success here in Des Moines, Iowa with uh, capturing that hip hop community um, you were aiming for so or has your vision changed a little? Uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's as I, as this is why I, I like about art is it, you have to do good art. You kind of have to learn yourself and the learning yourself part is a journey that takes you to find out what you, and inside of that, it exposes you to people who you didn't have access to. Yeah. So when you find out, oh, I'm pretty good at, I'm pretty good speaker. I mean, people who say, hey, can you come and speak? And I've never had nobody ask me to come and speak before, <laughs> but okay. You know, let's, you know, like Yes Man, the movie Yes Man, just say yes and see what happened, man, and go and do it, you know? So at a point I had to learn too, like, oh, I'm not finished growing either. So I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave this as my featured thing, but I'm going to go and do my other projects, and I'm going to still do the things that, that keep me going and keep me growing because it's not me telling, at this stage in our life, it's not me telling them what to do. It's me being a good example because, you know, like the gang I was in, I won't say I'm an ex-gangbanger. I'm not an active gangbanger, but. I wouldn't say I'm not because there's still kids that's in the gang and they don't want to change and drop what they are and say, I'm a, I'm, I'm not this, I'm a preacher now. Now you be who you are, but you can be a different version of this. You know, you can, you can still be from where we from. We can't get out of that. We were born there. And once you born where you at, where we from, you, you in that gang, you know, it's not a, you choose is. When you go to the other neighborhood, they'll beat you up and let you know you from there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you with those dudes. So, you know, it's me just being that example and staying a, being a better example of what they already are, you know, if that makes sense. It makes, it, it makes a whole lot of sense Because to me. I used to, when I was in that position, I just, I had a time where I wanted, when I first was 17, 18, when everybody's telling me it's time to be a man, right? And I'm going, okay, what do I want to do for a job? I'm not an office person. I'm not a, I probably would have been better in the army or uh, being a cop, but it's not cool, you're not being a cop in my neighborhood, you know. So everything, I was a basketball player. I'm, I had, I'm real athletic and stuff. So I was looking, I'm like, okay, so maybe being running my own business or something. Nobody had a business nobody owned anything around my house I knew one neighbor whose brother had a fish restaurant so I rode my bike to his fish restaurant just to see him in it and I walked in and then he was standing he, first the workers was just there but then he came from the back and I asked him hey D this your restaurant yeah 
And I just shook my head. Like, He's yeah. nodding, yes. <laughs> like, yeah. He gave me like some fish nuggets and then, uh, <laughs> and I just looked at him like, oh, so we can do this, you know? You needed this to is, see the example. This examples. is possible, you know? This is possible. And that's all I needed to see, you know? That's why having like Barack Obama as president is good. It's, yeah. I might not want to be the president. I might want to... I might build the biggest company in the world, but I just need to see that black men can act that way. We can handle that pressure. We can do whatever anybody else is doing and still be cool. You know, yeah. that was the thing about him too was, oh, he was still he was, cool. He was still cool. You don't have to cool. stop being you to be successful. You can just be you because all of our examples, you know, from growing up, they look like Donald Trump or somebody. They look like, straight businessmen, red tie, blue suit, you know, and it's like, okay, if I want to get in that room, I got to do that. But then like Russell Simmons just wore his fat farm sweater to every meeting. And that was an example too was, well, he don't really have to take that off. He owns it. He made a half a billion dollars with that sweater. (laughs) (laughs) It's cool if he wear that wherever he want to wear it and nobody going to tell him to take it off. And that's where I, I, these types of examples has helped me get here. So I'm okay. It's my turn to be this, but I don't think anybody know how extreme of an influence this, the street have on the kids nowadays. You know, so I'm not gonna change being who I am for nobody because this is for my my community. If you don't get it, you know, <laughs> you don't get it. But if you do, I'm here with you too because. I'm a growing artist, and and um, I'm open to new stuff too. So, well, tell me a little bit about the designs by the streets that aren't necessarily the clothing pieces. Um, I I love that mural uh, down here in uh, the mainframe yeah. lobby. And so, tell me a little bit about what's kind of going through your mind, I guess, or your your creative juices, uh, how they get flowing. Uh, there's a piece behind you that's uh, really impressive. So, can you visit with me? I know it's hard to do in the abstract when we're, we're sitting mm-hmm. here, and but people will see a picture, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so that's back to what I was telling you. Art is like really good for your mental health. Yeah. So I decided I was going to do all my art to look like the um, the test you get when you go to a psychiatrist. <laughs> a Rorschach test? Yeah, where they give you like the ink blot and you tell yeah. them what you think you see, right? Yeah. That's the city called hip hop that I'm talking about to me. It's like, it's what I see. Everybody else do something else. And the city might look different depending on which angle you come into the city from. The skyline is different. But the one thing that's always consistent in the middle of my murals is the one building that looked like a speaker, one looks like a, a spray can, and the other one looks like a pencil. But it's a building shaped like that in every city. Yeah. Pretty much, right? Depending on what angle you're coming into the city from, they might be in different, a different lineup, you know, but they all exist in every place. It's we all got this place inside of us, you know. It's, I call it Liddy City now. It's Liddy City. L-I-T-T-Y. L-I-T-T-Y, Liddy City. That's, Liddy is like, um, means popping, like the happening place to be, right, nowadays. That's what the kids would call it. You know, it's lit. Yeah. 
you don't get invited to Liddy City. You don't plan to go there. You just end up there. You do something dope and you end up there. <laughs> That's you, just great. <laughs> you know, and, and, and what's going on is Liddy City is the number one importer in the world for creative ideas. It's got a really budding um, arts and community um, sector that of town that's really fun to visit. You should come sometime. <laughs> well, this podcast, you you're gonna end up here. You're ending up in Liddy City right now. You know. Well, and folks listening can go to designbythestreets.com and start yeah. clicking around like I, I got to do. And I felt a little bit like I was in uh, Liddy City. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I did. I designed a website to feel like you're visiting a surreal neighborhood. Yeah, it's, but it's still an element of danger in this city. <laughs> it's not like a perfect place, you know what I mean? It's, things still happen. Art theft still happen in the art community, <laughs> you know? Well, tell me real quick uh, a little bit about what's happening on June 21st so that uh, folks can hopefully join you for part of that uh, oh. um, by the Skywalk at the Des Moines Partnership, uh, um, which is at 7th and Locust, folks, for those who don't know. The, the 21st is the downtown day for Art Week. Um, art Week is the yeah. week where everybody, all art the artists in town, we kind of join together and do like events or we join together and do one event together. You do your reveals, galleries help out. And it's the week leading up to the Arts Festival. Des Moines turns into Liddy City during yeah. Art Week. <laughs> uh, but I'm doing my a mural and an installation at the Des Moines Partnership Building. Um, it's going to have an element of AR to it, AR map and projection mapping to it, and some other surprises I ain't going to let out until yeah, you come yeah. in and experience it. But it's kind of inspired by um, the Rouen Grand Prix that oh, used to happen yeah, here. yeah, until... Des Moines so turned into Liddy City flooded, in 1989 yeah. to 1994. <laughs> when, every, when I saw the footage of that, I thought that was the best. I was like, so I live downtown. So this race was in front of my house. So I'm like, yo, what if I came outside one day and it was like a NASCAR? Like that. Ah. So, so I really inside of me, I'm, I'm like jealous that I missed this. And I, <laughs> I started looking it up. It's not even a lot of like footage to look at on the Internet about it. And that when I started thinking of somebody, one of my customers told me they love my story. They want to support me, but they don't feel like they designed by the streets. And uh, to me, I was like, okay, that's you only pertain the streets to bad things then. Because when you're really in the street and you live in a bad experience, you just see the beautiful stuff. You see the kid and the mom walking across the street. You see the nice cars. You see the culture that goes inside of it because you're trying to escape the pain and suffering that you're going through, right? So... I understood those parts, but I'm like, okay, so how do I make other people feel like they're connected to what I'm doing? And then I, um, I, I learned about Scoop the Loop because oh, I yeah. live downtown. Yeah. And, you know, that Des Moines, uh, we got Scoop the Loop. We got um, the Ruan Grand Prix. Racing culture is a big thing. That's street culture. Yeah. It's just because your street culture is not my street culture don't mean you're not from the streets. We, if you ever cross the street, 
you in the street. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> it, it's just that simple, you know. Um, but I started to learn about that, and I learned, oh, the Scoop the Loop route kind of coincides with the Ruin route, and this is the street culture downtown. The streets made up Scoop the Loop. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. So this is going to be kind of reflected in this piece at the partnership in some way. Yes. And uh, some folks are going to see it more immediately than others, but probably all of us, if we give it a little contemplation, yeah, maybe a little slow art here, yeah. uh, we'll be able to make some level of connection to your vision of the streets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be real cool. I mean, uh, having the AR and the VR elements to it is... That's going to be crazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see it. Can you give us the times real quick? Uh, it's like- um, so I'll be over there at between 11 and 2 when the local Bites food court is open. But it's in the Des Moines Partnership building. Yeah. You know, um, that's the busiest time of the day. So I just decided to do it at that time. And the same day, I had a putt-putt golf installation at Mainframe <laughs> in, in uh, um, in our uh putt-putt golf event that we have a lot of artists making different types of artistic putt-putt golf stuff, yeah. Oh, man. On the same day, yeah. So you're really able to tap into the creative juices on a regular basis and serve as an example to others and do community building in that way. And I know I'm a little over time here, but um, yeah. I'm loving this conversation. Yeah. So I just got to keep going for another minute here, if you don't mind. Uh, and tell me a little bit about the arts community piece of all of this. To what extent are you getting supported as an artist? You're clearly doing a lot of great work as an example to others at a minimum yeah but for you and your creative pursuits how well is the community or the streets supporting you oh they support me just fine the thing is i kind of haven't even started pushing everything yet like art week is my kickoff i got this studio here at mainframe out of the blue i didn't I, I signed up for it, but I didn't realize like when the third floor got done, I was my turn was gonna come up. So that kind of came out of nowhere, and it took me from being a, in my apartment with all of this stuff. <laughs> oh my, yeah, because this is a pretty good sized studio, folks. Yeah. And there's clothing yeah. racks and murals on the wall, and kilos of t-shirt cocaine, and computers, and printing things, um, and. Um, Deshera Bohanna's um, <laughs> reads are over here, and there are other folks working in it. It's an amazing studio. Yeah, so once I got here, it just took me a year of just readjusting and, and kind of growing. And it seems that every time I get to the point where I'm like, okay, this is where I start, something else great happened, and it, it takes me to a new level. I'm hitting all of my goals before I'm even getting to push like that. But now I got team members and stuff like that. And that was part of it, too, was I couldn't promote, like, push everything while I was trying to build the room and think of these concepts and come up with that stuff. So I just took the time, like, okay, slow down, focus on the art, because once it's done, it's done. You know, and try to get these projects that's once they're done, they're done, and I can move on, and then I can get to the community. As far as being a part... Me being a part of the community don't stop. 
they come to me already. This ain't this my lifestyle. It ain't it's not a thing that I gotta start or stop or you know when it's not separate from who you are. All of the see the kids that I get, they the they they are the bad kids. The well they would try to say they bad kids. The the smart kids that's bored. <laughs> <laughs> but when they end up in like probation and all of these things, uh, they got court date coming up and they really nervous. This is the times when the kids in the streets minds are open to ideas. And you know how to take care of and take I know, advantage I know, of that I, because you know how to make things relatable. Right. I don't take advantage of them. I give them what they need to know. Yeah. Hey, you're going to be on probation. They're going to give you two years. If you stay off the weed and not drink for a little bit, they're going to cut that time in half. And if you got your job together and all of this, that lady at the office don't want to see you. She got a thousand people to see. If you prove to her you're okay, you get half this time and you get out of the system. I didn't mean you take advantage of them. I meant you take advantage of the moment, the learning right, moment. Right, right, right. I yeah. just recognize that's they, this is the time when they will listen. Otherwise, when they when they making money in the street, what you gonna tell them? Right. So timing is everything. Timing is everything. <laughs> you know, sometimes they really just be wanting to out. You know, things happen in their families and stuff, and they come and they want to just say, "Hey, man, how do I? How do how you do this?" How do you do this? Well, you had a great example. You're serving as a great example. Um, and that example was kind of an all-inclusive sort of um, community. Yeah. And, and individuals within that community. And you got to see yeah. these examples. Yeah. I'm just trying to tease out some of the learnings here for folks who are really yeah. trying to understand what it takes to um, do the great work you're doing. Yeah. Cause I like when I got to Iowa, I've been here for 12 years now. So when I, I started this 12 years ago here, I got footage of all kinds of shows where I've started these rappers off. A lot of the rappers that's in town now is the guys that they was the little brothers of the rappers that I started. And I'm still helping the little brothers now, you know, and the other guys, they don't grew up and they get their families and they they do what they do. Some of them make it where they make it, you know, but. I'm always here to be the helping hand, that guy. I'll figure out how I get paid. <laughs> well, I, I can't thank you enough. Uh, this has been a really uh, exciting time for me to get to because this is a way of community building through the arts that I think a lot of people would not um, yeah. understand without you being here to be able to walk us through it. So okay. thank you for that. So many thanks to Tone Roddy and his design by the streets. And as a reminder, you can find Tone at Mainframe Studios and see his work launched in the Skywalk at the Greater Des Moines Partnership Building at 7th and Locust on June 21st, and Tone himself will be there from 11 to 2. Uh, gratitude also to Siobhan Spain and Sabrina Carper, who keep mainframe humming, and to my collaborator, Alex Cooney. Thank you for listening to 900 Views. 